Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Burke Morley, the Vice President of Brand and Executive Creative Director at Purple. Purple got its start as a mattress company, but we will learn on the show today that it's expanding into other areas like seat cushions and and the like. We talk a lot about content and how content's been pretty vital to Purple's growth, dating all the way back to the Goldilocks video that kind of caught fire on uh, on digital video. To their more recent content work, really focused on what Burke calls shift, show how it feels and moving up market to a more premium brand that appeals to um, her. So I hope you enjoy this conversation today with Burke Morley. Burke, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and man, you have been all around the world and all around the U.S. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, you've moved around quite a bit, Mexico, Utah, Oklahoma. Um, I'm sure I've Huntington Beach, anything stand out or you take away from all those varied locations that you've both worked and lived? Just curious. Yeah, I, I guess a couple of things. One is I was pretty lucky that my family was willing to move and, and go do all these things. But really, my goal when I started my career was just to get as interesting as possible. So I kind of said yes to stuff. And it's really taken me to a lot of different places. I think one of the things I've learned is there's really cool stuff about anywhere you live. 
and there's just really good opportunities to learn new things and have new experiences. So it's been great for me to be able to do my best to, to become interesting and really have a broad range of kind of experiences and, and insights. Yeah. Interesting. What was your pathway to Purple and what brought you to Purple specifically? Yeah, it was kind of an interesting one with Purple. So the guy who was in my job before me was actually my college roommate, which is kind of interesting. So I got introduced to Purple through him. And then Joe Megabo and I connected, who's the CEO, and we started talking. And we just kind of had some some similar ideas of what the brand could be and some of the needs and things like that. And so really, one of the things that appealed to me about Purple in particular was just where they were in their kind of brand life cycle and the fact that they had a rich history and heritage, but they weren't quite sure who they wanted to be in the next kind of phase. And how do we take Purple from what it is today and help grow it up to becoming and kind of reaching its full potential? And that just was very appealing to me. Well, and you've you've worked for some iconic brands before, Nike and Sonic. Just curious, like, you know, what was the nature of the work you did there? And do you feel like any of that work prepared you for taking on the helm at Purple? Yeah, so it's a great question. I've had some really great opportunities. Nike was a dream of mine to work with them and got the opportunity to be the head of brand for Nike Mexico. It was my first job with them. And in a lot of ways, that was a really incredible opportunity. It's something that that was was a dream of mine. During my time there, I was over all things Nike for Nike Mexico, the brand, um, both on the functional side as well as kind of a, a category side. So I had some really cool opportunities to bring um, to life the brand in unique ways. One of the things that Nike is very good at is using all the different weapons in the arsenal of kind of branding, storytelling, those types of things. And so I kind of was able to learn and also hone that skill of really using all the different touch points and connection points with the brand. At Sonic, I had the opportunity to run a national campaign that was kind of iconic uh, with the two guys campaign, with the two guys in the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the challenge with them was people love them, but we also wanted to evolve them. And so we had to come up with a way to to kind of honor that, but also evolve that. So one idea that I had was, you know, we know that the two guys are in that car, but you know, what happens if we pan back a little bit and we actually see who's in the car next to them or even across the lot from them? So we did a really cool campaign where we actually had a new duo. It was Ellie Kemper and um, Jane Krakowski. And they kind of became the new two guys. Then they kind of were poking fun at the old two guys. And it just kind of made for a nice, playful thing that we were aware of, of who we were. But we were also looking to, to kind of evolve things. And that's really been applicable to Purple because we have this great heritage. And we've really been a content pioneer from the beginning. And so the question has been, how do we honor that, but then also evolve that to go to some new places? And then with the Nike example, you know, how do we make sure that we're not just reliant on just kind of direct response ads? How do we start to deploy the full capability of the brand through all the different touch points with social media and PR and brand strategy and partnerships and collaborations and all those different things that have really been pretty dormant for uh, Purple so far? Interesting. As you think about Purple, what do you feel like differentiates itself or makes it different in the D2C mattress category? It's it's a fairly crowded space in the recent history. So I'm curious how you see Purple being different in that category. Yeah, it is It is a crowded space. It's interesting to see when there's kind of a disruptive brand come into kind of a tired or, or dormant category in industry. You know, the early companies who entered into the DTC world of mattresses, they were really focused on how do we create a better buying experience and how do we facilitate that? And they kind of proved that people were actually willing to make a bigger purchase like a mattress 
and have it show up on your doorstep without even trying it. Purple is different in that we are not, we want to have that convenience. And obviously we are a DTC first brand and we deliver our mattresses uh, and mail them. But really that's the only similarity that we have to a lot of the other DTC kind of bed in the box brands. We're lucky that we actually have an innovation story that's completely different from anything else that's out there. And we have a different innovation that kind of solves some of the the problems that that foam mattresses or memory foam mattresses have, have encountered. Things like sleeping hot and those types of things. We have what's called the purple grid, which is very different from foam. And so it's a completely different experience. And that's really what differentiates us is we're interested in creating a better sleep experience and a better mattress and not just a better purchasing experience. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about content. We're going to talk about content some more, I think. I feel like the first thing I remember about Purple was the Goldilocks video on, uh, I think I watched it on YouTube, but, you know, just the um, the egg drop and then the um, various benefits of the Purple Grid in particular. So i curious, you know, it, like you said, content's always been a pretty big focus of purple where are you planning to go with content in the future how are you thinking about content now yeah it's a great question so purple kind of caught lightning in a bottle and this was before i was here with the goldilocks spot it was one of the first kind of infotainment style spots where it was kind of it was informative but it was also kind of quirky and kitschy and um, had some humor tongue-in-cheek humor it was about three minutes to four minutes long and that became a format that work incredibly well for purple and all of a sudden it kind of exploded part of the challenge is over the years you know purple could try to kind of recapture that that lightning in the bottle but at the same time a lot of the competitive space they were copying that same model and so as people kind of followed and, and, and now a lot of the the bed in the box dtc brands have their version of goldilocks online and so when i came on part of the the thought I had was we have been a content pioneer from the beginning. And now that everyone's gone to where we were, how do we go to someplace, a different place? And part of the thing that was happening with Goldilocks too is that it was kind of quirky and very young, kind of quite juvenile and kind of really appealed to like a young male audience with a lot of the content. And we really are focusing on how do we shift to be more focused on her, age up a little bit and become and position ourselves as being more an innovation solution. We want to become more premium. Like I said before, really the only similarity with us and the other bed in the box companies is that we mail the mattress to people. Other than that, we're very different with innovation technology. So a couple of things I've been thinking about is how do we become more focused on our innovation and differentiation? How do we become more premium and more appealing to her? And one of the things I learned at Sonic was we would actually shoot stuff to show how fruit tastes and it's kind of an interesting challenge. We do little things like we would take a hamburger instead of it kind of being low, we would actually shoot it from below up. And the reason why is because that's kind of the angle you saw when you go to bite a hamburger. We started to think about things like craveability. What makes food craveable? So we thought about, you know, is it the crispy lettuce or like dew drops on a tomato or whatever? We said, no, that's kind of different. That's more like fresh. So as we we're thinking about kind of craveability, we were thinking about things like a cheese pull or bacon sizzling or those types of things. One of the things that we're missing in the stuff we were doing at Sonic was it was all shot on white background. So you lost all the heat cues of things like steam and that kind of stuff. So we actually changed the background so you could actually see those heat cues. So when I came to Purple, I was kind of thinking, how, how could that apply? Because there is some craveable moments within comfort. 
So when you are tired and you go get in your bed for the first time, there's a very visceral reaction to that. It's something that we want to kind of show. And so we have this mantra with our team that we want to show how it feels instead of talking about what it is. And so that's been something we've really wanted to own. We want to own tactility. We want to be able to show something and people can imagine, I know exactly how that would feel, or I'm so curious how that would feel. So those kind of things are things we can, we're starting to play with and seeing how we can bring to life that capability, but in a comfort sense, as opposed to kind of the taste sense. But it is very much a visceral kind of sensory experience we're trying to do and create. I love that idea of, now that I think about it, you know, thinking about, other instances of videos, you know, of how things can make you experience something that you you can't experience because it's a video, right? Like you you can't touch it, you can't taste it, you don't know how exactly it smells. But to your point about all those little cues, those psychological cues that you can use to help engage the senses, even though it's not even a sensory experience. <laughs> it's pretty enlightening. Yeah, and it especially becomes important as there's just a sea of sameness out there. And it's a very loud, noisy space. There isn't a ton of reverence for action. You know, there's a lot of claims out there that aren't necessarily 100% accurate. So how do we create something different that feels inviting, welcoming, um, but also differentiated and, and uniquely purple? Gotcha. It, well, you talked about, you know, trying to shift your target a little bit from my words, the dude to her, and then also kind of move upstream, if you will, to premiumness. How are you thinking about the brand and taking that brand to the next level, evolving your, your brand strategy, so to speak? Yeah. So we kind of spoke to one of those things. It's what we call shift, um, which stands for show how it feels. And so everything that we shoot, we've been talking as a team to, you know, don't just show this rectangle box, let's get in and show the texture and the fabric. And you know, I wanted people to be able to see and imagine what it feels like to touch something. We're also just working and doing some really cool stuff that's never been done before. We recently launched a campaign that was actually called the Shift Piece, the Show How It Feels Piece. We partnered with a really amazing agency called Man vs. Machine. And they basically brought to life this very surreal experience where we kind of showed all the different attributes of the grid and the benefits of the grid in a very compelling kind of feral kind of experience. And it's very much a sense sensory experience watching even the video. It's a 60 second spot, but it's unlike anything else that you've seen in this space. And it's been interesting as I've showed it, especially and the intention was to make it feel more premium, make it more appealing to that female audience, and then also just make it feel more like a sensory experience and kind of visceral reaction. And it's been something that's worked really well for us. And it's completely opposite from anything we've done previously. And that was really on purpose to kind of create space for ourselves as a brand. Um, kind of the next step for us is to reintroduce some of the personality that we're known for. And we don't want to lose that playfulness. But what was once kind of quirky, we want to shift into more clever and charming and witty so that there's a little bit more of a sophistication, but also still having humor in there that's kind of evolved from where we've been. Awesome. Well, how, I mean, we're, we're in the process of living through a uh, COVID-19 pandemic. How's that impacted the business? And how are you, you know, how are you adjusting? It's really interesting. When it first started, like everyone, we didn't know what was going to happen. So our first reaction was to kind of pull in and to kind of shrink a little bit. We actually had some furloughs and things. And one of the biggest reasons why is because half of our business at the time was through our wholesale partners. 
So 50% of our business just shut off overnight. And we felt that big time. But then something interesting happened as people were home and kind of were spending more time in their home. They're paying more attention to it and kind of what amenities they had. And all the business that was going to wholesale, it all shifted to online. And so we saw tremendous increases in in traffic, in time spent on the site, and in our sales. We started to really crank and we we were beating previous year sales in Q1 just with DTC purchasing. So we were we were completely eclipsing what we were doing last year with both wholesale and and DTC with just DTC. So we've actually been on a tear and it's been incredibly good for us as a company. Another thing that happened that was really interesting is as people started to kind of change their home into an office, you know, they were looking at how do I sit at my kitchen table in a chair that was not meant to be sat at for, you know, eight to 10 hours. And one of the things that was kind of a bit of a sleeper product for us also all of a sudden became a hero. And that was our seat cushions. You know, it's not the sexiest product in the world, but all of a sudden people are like, I've got a, I need something. I need a solution. It's been interesting that we actually had Goop reach out to us. Their, one of their editors reached actually found the seat cushion on her own. And then she loved it so much. She reached out and said, hey, I want to get one of these for every employee at Goop. So we did a deal to where we actually gave every employee at Goop a seat cushion. You know, we're working with Google because they have this program where they're, they're enabling their employees to kind of outfit their home office. And we want people to be able to get the seat cushion. Self Magazine, the editor-in-chief, actually found our product independently on her own. And then we worked with them because she's such a mass monster fan that we actually did a deal with them to kind of talk about that, bring that story to life. So the other piece that was really interesting is just kind of bringing that product to the forefront. And we've seen just massive growth in that in that category. And it's been it's been cool that we've been able to kind of bring some comfort and help people do something that, that's a necessity and make it more comfortable and make it more enjoyable for them yeah no well congrats on the business success i mean that's a phenomenal story i think a lot of businesses are struggling with the being able to be as flexible and shift strategy if you will from point a to point b and and you guys it sounds like we're really well positioned having you know a direct channel and a wholesale channel to be able to just flow sales from one to the other and i would say the other piece i thought was important with that because you're exactly right, is we actually manufacture everything that we make is here in the U.S. So we actually have our plant in Utah. We employ, I think it's just over a thousand people now. And as things started to happen, we could actually adjust whatever was happening. We weren't dependent on shipping from overseas. And we've, we've got pieces of that we are dependent, of course, on that, that type of supply chain. But we had some flexibility to where we could adjust and, and make things in a different way. One of the things we did is we heard that there was a lack of beds. And so our ears perked up, of course, and we said, hey, how can we help out? And so we actually shifted a large chunk of our manufacturing to create a thousand beds, medical beds, medical grade. And we actually donated a thousand beds to a couple of different homeless shelters that were really having a difficult time kind of creating space for people. And so we delivered over, we delivered a thousand beds to shelters in Seattle, Los Angeles, and Salt Lake. And we were able to turn that around incredibly quickly because we manufacture our stuff ourselves. We really have a lot of control of how and what we manufacture. And that's one of our core competencies and really a differentiator for us. And so it was really a huge benefit, a huge advantage um, when things started to go south and the whole globe was kind of affected in such a holistic way. Yeah. 
Oh, that's phenomenal. Uh, thank you for that. As an American, thank you for, for doing that. And the ability to adjust and to opportunities or, or needs like you just described in the market or the opportunities as it relates to seat cushions. I laugh because, you know, I'm sure you're the same potentially on Zoom calls all day long with colleagues and, and folks around the around the world. And people are sitting in strange apparatuses, you know, <laughs> our, our homes weren't our offices before. And so yeah, everyone's sitting on anything from a bench to a kitchen, you know, seat or table or stool. I can imagine those, those cushions are, are well, well liked <laughs> after eight hours of Zoom calls. Yeah, absolutely. We, we actually are talking to a potential partner slash spokesperson and, and she was talking about how she discovered the seat cushions and how much she loved it and stuff. And it's interesting how something pretty simple can actually be a bit of a game changer. So it's been good for us. Plus, I've always dreamed of being in the seat cushion biz. <laughs> well, the first thing I, I think of, this is probably, I don't know what this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Says it's about myself, but first thing I think of is a, a seat cushion. Are those donut cushions for specific medical purposes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> medical situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I've... I, I, I guess it may be seeing parents, you know, or grandparents use those things. So that's what I first thought of. And then I was like, no, no, no. Seat cushion could be anything. It is interesting, though, just from a marketing and branding standpoint, it's kind of a fun, exciting time right now because everything is on the table for kind of being cool and interesting. And whoever thought that a thermostat would be something that was enviable. It's like, oh, check out my cool thermostat. You're like, what are you talking about? But that's what it is. And check out my doorbell. You're like, what is happening? But at the same time, you know, consumers are in a place where they're very open to those kind of things. And so, you know, I kind of joke about the seat cushion, but that's the type of stuff that people care about, you know, and they want it to be functional and interesting and innovative and, and solve a real problem. So it's kind of a fun time to be in branding because kind of everything's on the table. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and you just the nature that some that an organization like Goop or Self Magazine, I mean, they're talking about seat cushions. The world has changed, right? Like we 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 need this product and it is something that can be cool and, and stand out. Is it solving a real need, frankly? Well, um, where do you see purple going in the future? What's the focus or the future look like in your mind? Yeah, so we're in an interesting spot because the innovation and technology that we have can be applied in so many different places. I mean, it could be applied to travel. It could be applied to seating, you know, at the office and other places. And it could be applied in so many different places in performance, 
you know, protection or other places. And so there's really all this opportunity for us, but we're really, really being focused on the fact that there's a lot of opportunity for us in the industry we're in right now. You know, we're, we're very aggressive and really working on taking market share because we really do have a product that that's great. Um, one of the things that's interesting about Purple is our number one source of sales is word of mouth. It's bigger than YouTube. It's bigger than Facebook, Instagram, any other social channel. It more than doubles them consistently. And really the reason why is because when people try the product, they're sold. They're stoked on it. It's completely different. It helps people with some pain issues or they see pod. And it kind of solves all those problems. And so that continues to be our number one seller for us is word of mouth. And so really our focus is let's focus on this industry and really kind of not max out our potential, but really spend time here because there's more for us to do here before we get too distracted. At the same time, we are looking at how do we go into other industries because we look at ourselves as a comfort innovation. We don't just look at ourselves as a mattress company by any means. And so really the way that I talk about it is I, we want to earn people's trust in the bedroom and what they're sleeping on. But then we also want to gain confidence that we can follow you and bring comfort to you in your kitchen, in your bathroom, in, in your car, driving to work, at work, at the office. We want to follow you to, it sounds a little creepy, we want to follow you everywhere in your life. But we want to, you know, we want to bring comfort to people on flights and then at the hotel. And, and you can start to see how at the gym. And so you can start to see how there's so much potential with this innovation and this technology that can be applied in so many different places. But we also need to be very focused in on what we're doing now. And then as a brand, we are very focused on getting, getting credit for being a true innovation company and not just a mattress company so that we can earn the right and have the privilege to go into other categories. One of the things that's really interesting with that shift is you really have to have the consumer's confidence so they believe you when you go into a different category and you offer something else up. Because if not, you, know, you could go into a new product and, and the consumer could say, I just don't believe you. I just don't, it just doesn't make sense that you're in that space. And so not only am I not going to follow you there, you've actually kind of lost my confidence in your core competency. Right. No, there's not that you're necessarily referencing this, but there's been a lot of um, academic work in trying to understand category extensions and feedback to your point, like feedback on the master brand, right? Like in your core categories, there can be a negative blowback cycle if you don't do it right. To your point, like if you don't you know, build that confidence and ability to stretch into the new categories. Yeah, it's really the consumer who gets to decide if they want to go there with you or not. And there are things that we can do as a brand to help build that confidence, that awareness, that we're not just like every other DTC bed in the box. It's funny because we actually won JD Power created a new category. Um, it's bed in the box uh, mattress for bed. And we won the inaugural time that they had that, that award. And while it's very flattering and, and super cool, we aspire to be in the to not just be kind of pigeonholed in that bend the box category because we think of ourselves as being more premium and having true innovation. There's really only a couple companies out there that kind of have those those elements, and we but that's really who we aspire to kind of be a part of. Awesome. Well, I want to switch gears. I, I, we like getting to know the folks behind the microphone, so to speak. And um, one of my favorite questions to ask everyone that comes on the show is, you know, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Oh, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of them, but I'll tell you a quick story. I graduated from college, was kind of in my hometown, just needed a change. A friend of mine was like, I'm moving to Huntington Beach. Um, you should come with me. So I was like, okay. So I just picked up and moved. I lived right on PCH across the street from the ocean. 
And I didn't have a plan, didn't have a job, anything. In fact, I got a job finally as the head of marketing for this architecture firm. And my first day, they were giving me a tour and they're like, here's the coffee machine and extra fi coffee filters. Here's the fax machine and extra toner. And I'm like, this is the weirdest tour I've ever had. At the end of the tour, they said, and here's your desk. And it was the front desk and I had been hired to be the receptionist. <laughs> And at first I was like angry and I called my brother. I was like, can you believe this? He's like, yeah, I get it. But don't you need money? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I do need money. The thing that was interesting is that summer, right before I graduated, I had done an internship at Abercrombie and Fitch in Ohio and met some really great people. This is back when Abercrombie was a part of Limited. So one of the things that was interesting is I didn't have a computer. I mean, personal computers were, were less, they weren't as common and there were no smartphones at the time. I'm really aging myself right now, but... I remember those times. <laughs> brutal. AOL and the disks and all that stuff. But um, one of the things that was interesting is I had access to the internet and the computer. And so I went to check out what the Abercrombie team was doing. And I wrote my friend, I was like, man, your, your, your site is so boring. It's like, it is? you have any ideas? And I said, yeah, I do. So I sent him 10 ideas. And he said, I like these five. How much do you want for them? And I thought I was, I was like, I'm going to really stick it to this guy. I'm like, I want $500 per idea. And I thought I was rich, man. I was like, I am killing it right now. So he bought those five ideas and then hired me to actually create the content. And one of those things that we did was we featured real kids who are fans of the brand. We created uh, content of them and posted on the site. So it was really influencer marketing well before Facebook um, or social media was a thing. And so that kind of grew and we started to do more and more with that. And then one day that same friend called me. He's like, hey, dude, we're, we're launching this new brand. It's based on Fantasy California. It's called Hollister. We'd love for you to come up with some ideas of what that online experience should be. And so I was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. And little did I know, we were going to create a really pretty iconic brand at the time. You know, we really had a huge impact on the surf industry. And it was really fun to see that little move of moving down Huntington Beach and getting that job as a receptionist. That really was the launch of my career. And the, the funniest part was I didn't have a computer. And so I'd wake up in the morning. And I used to tell people it was a skateboard, but it was actually a Razor scooter. I would ride my Razor scooter to the little satellite library on Main Street in Huntington Beach. And I was signing up for 30-minute chunks on the public computer. And I was literally creating content for Abercrombie and Fitch in these 30-minute chunks on the public library computer. And I remember there was like this conspiracy theory guy who liked to, and he was writing his like his newsletter he was going to go hand out on the corner. And he wanted to tell me about all his conspiracies from the government and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I get it. But I can't, I've got 30 minutes to make this, to make this content for Abercrombie. And so to go from that to helping to build this Hollister brand was just so fun and exciting. It was, it was really kind of a pinnacle launch to my career. It was amazing. Yeah, no, it was an amazing story. Um, just the uh, the twist and the turn and, and then the, to be at that moment at the launch of Hollister. I mean, that's phenomenal. So congrats. My next question would be, you know, if you were starting all over again, what would be the advice you give yourself? I think it's kind of two things for me. One is when you're young, you're expected to fail. You're expected to fumble. And the consequences aren't all that big, frankly. And so I would say when you're young, take some chances. Swing for the fences. I picked up, literally, I picked up, loaded up my 1987 Honda Accord. Its name was Private Dancer. <laughs> and I just drove to Huntington Beach. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a plan. I was doing temp work. 
but it was the thing that movement kind of un, like shifted things a little bit, you know? So I would suggest to the younger me, like take chances, be bold, swing for the fences. It's okay if you whiff, because what's the consequence as you, as you get into higher profile jobs or better paying jobs, or more importantly, when you start to have a family or other people who are dependent on you, the consequences become much bigger, right? And it's almost like the circumstance starts to indicate or dictate um, what opportunities you take or don't take potentially. So when you're young, I think it's a great time to take chances and to really try something. Why not? And get as interesting as you possibly can. Say yes to stuff. You know, don't worry so much about the money. The money will come if you get become really interesting. And then I think the, the last thing that I would suggest is to trust yourself. When I had that job at Hollister, I had these ideas and I literally, my, my whole insight was surf and skate, surfing and skateboarding industries were very exclusive. It was saying, we're cool, you're not. We're hardcore, you're a poser, we're in, you're out. And I knew it was the kids in the flyover states, places like Idaho, Kentucky, Iowa, or whatever. Um, those were the kids who wouldn't believe that these kids in California got to live this lifestyle. So really, Hollister was the brand for them. I remember thinking, it's all just the same polo. It's just what animal do I want to represent me on my chest? You know, am I a alligator guy? Am I a seagull guy? Am I a moose guy? Or am I a guy and a horse guy? And it's all the same polo. And so that insight was the thing that kind of made it made it different. And when I had that insight, I really thought that I was tricking everyone. I thought I had duped everyone into thinking that I knew what I was doing because I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. Now, as I look back, I can see how my thinking works and I'm getting better at understanding like what the process is of how you go beyond the observation and get into the insight, the little nugget of truth. And that little nugget of truth of Hollister is a Southern California party that everyone's invited to. That became the blueprint for the next five years of everything we did fell within that. And it was really crucial for really blowing that brand up. And so the second piece of advice I would say is just trust yourself. Because I thought it was a hoax and come to find out, I kind of knew what I was doing inadvertently. <laughs> I love that. I love the advice in the story. I'm going to transition to what is probably my silliest question that I've added to the repertoire lately, but I kind of enjoy where it goes some days. Curious if there's been an impactful purchase of $100 or less that you've made in the last six to 12 months. I'd probably say a seat cushion. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I set you you up perfectly for that. I couldn't resist. Actually, one of the things that I really enjoy a ton is a subscription to Headspace. I actually kind of discovered Headspace a while ago. I remember they used to do like how many people are meditating at this moment. It would be like 8,000 globally, you know, and 10,000. And I'm sure it's a lot more than that now. But that's been one thing that I really love. I love head, the brand Headspace. I love Andy. I've never met the founder, but I, I really like him and his his you know his why of why he's doing everything. And it's been it's been awesome. It's actually something that we gave to our, our entire team so that everyone on our team has a subscription of that. And I use it for the meditation stuff, but I also use it at night as I'm going to sleep. I listen to the frog chorus every single night as I go to sleep. And it's just been awesome. And so that's probably my my best purchase under 100 bucks over the last little bit. I like it. Curious, uh, two more questions and, and we'll close out. But on the marketing front, most folks that are in this world, I think are pretty observant of what's going on around them. Curious if there's any brands or companies or causes that you follow or that you're taking notice of or you think other people should should pay attention to? Yeah, there's one that's really interesting. It's called Tracksmith. 
they're out of the East Coast and they're kind of, it feels almost like a modern retro of what track and field was back in the day. It's almost like the modern version of Chariots of Fire. And their design is killer. Their storytelling is is awesome. Their imagery and content, they just, they're rad. And they just have, I don't know, this, they're just dripping with authenticity and just have this subtle coolness that I just really love. Um, so I, I like Tracksmith a lot. There's actually a company out of Utah called Taft. A buddy of mine who I know, his name is Corey Stevens. He actually started Taft back in the day. And it's all about handmade, really high artisanal shoes and boots for men. And they're all made out of Spain. It's a cool story. There's this little town that was actually really struggling. And he went and kind of created this business and then revitalized the entire little town because they they've always been traditionally shoemakers and cobblers. And so now he's kind of created this cottage industry and it's just got other stuff and really interesting design. He's so unique and Taft is a really great brand. And the last one's a little bit obvious um, when I first, first mentioned it, but Jordan brand to me is really interesting. And it's not just because it's cool, but they're interesting because they could sell retros all day, every day, right? Every colorway of the J1s they, they put out will, will sell. The 3s, the 11s, all that all the iconic kind of silhouettes of the Jordan collection. But the thing that's interesting to me is they just reached a billion dollars in sales. And that's really because they have essentially become a mini Nike. It's always interesting to me to see football players with a basketball player, you know, the Jumpman logo on their jersey. And so it'll be interesting to watch how that brand continues to evolve and become basically a mini Nike and they've done some really cool, interesting stuff along the way. I have some friends over there from my Nike days who are leading that brand. And, and it's been really fun to watch them do some really cool, interesting stuff. Yeah, they've really done a great job of elevating it to outside of basketball, right? Like it, it's almost more of a mindset shift. But yeah, I agree. It's interesting to watch. Yeah, and I think their biggest challenge, which I think they're they're really doing a pretty good job of, is, is how do you grow beyond such massive success with like a traditional collection. And anyway, it's, it's an interesting one for sure. Well, last question for you. What do you, what do you feel like is the, either you can either go largest opportunity or biggest threat that marketers are, are facing today? Yeah. So I think opportunity, there's, there's one that I think is both the biggest opportunity and the biggest threat. And that's just, there's so many different channels now. There's so many opportunities to connect with consumers and, and connect with them in authentic ways. You know, you see stuff like TikTok pop up and even Marco Polo and all these other kind of new, new social media and communication tools. There's tremendous opportunities to tap into those and do some authentic things that to be an early adopter, to be the first. At Sonic, we did a campaign where we created the first product ever designed specifically for Instagram and it blew up. You know, it was just, it went viral. You know, we had a billion impressions. The cost was 0. 0.0005 cents per impression. It just was, it was mass because we were first. We did something interesting with this new platform. So that's a tremendous opportunity. But I also think it's the biggest challenge because to be honest with you, there's so many different places now that it makes it very difficult. And really it comes down to attention. Traditionally, it's been said that time is our greatest resource. I would argue it's actually attention. Time is passing regardless of what you do with it right? But really, it's what has your attention during that time that really is our biggest asset. And so yeah, I've thought a lot about how do we earn attention? Reach can be bought, but attention has to be earned, right? And so as marketers and branders, we have to create something that people care about and have some feeling about. 
Otherwise, they're going to ignore us because there are so many options for their attention. Um, there's just so much noise. And so I think that's the result of all that, all those different channels and all the different things that we have access to. It's just noise and, and how do we earn people's attention. Well, Burke, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. It's been my pleasure, Alan. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart and this is Marketing Today. Marketing Today.